Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. We have a special guest coming in from out of town. We got Hi Maman Palman, the virtual wholesaler guy. It's me. And he's flown in from San Francisco to share his journey on getting rid of his nine to five job to virtual wholesaling to seven figure flipping. If this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Tring, broker and owner of Stunning Homes Realty, founder of the Offer Fast Homes app, the only uh, MLS for off market wholesale properties. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, let's connect on Instagram. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for the show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This is what costs for you guys to listen to the show. If you get value today, please tag a friend below, tell me your best takeaway uh, from the show later on or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And don't forget this is a live show. So please post your questions for Haim to answer. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. First question is, what got you into real estate? What got me into real estate? I just wanted to spend more time with the family. Uh, and I was working nine to five. And and I just researched and read. And, and ev- all the ways, all the roads got me to real estate. So yeah. that's why. Okay. So what were you doing when you, when you, when you had that, you know, um, uh, epiphany? I was reading a lot. So... Um, I worked nine to five job. It was a block away from the public library. So like every week I was just bringing like five to seven books mm-hmm. and read and listen to podcasts like this podcast um, and just reading and buying courses and, and implementing and testing. Uh, and that was probably for two to three years. That's what I was doing. Okay. So then when did you get into wholesaling? Uh, my first virtual wholesale deal was in August 15. 2013. Okay. That was my first deal. But I was trying to do it for almost a year and a half, uh, just trying new strategies, just not being consistent. Uh, but uh, it took me almost a year and a half to two years to get my first deal. Well, that's a great message because I think a lot of people are watching these shows, listening to this podcast, watching other podcasts and, and, and buying courses mm-hmm. and they're expecting to be overnight. It's, it's It wasn't the case for me. I know, again, I bought, I can name all the like at least 15 gurus that courses that I purchased. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think again, most of it was my fault. It's not like the course wasn't good. I was just not implementing it the right way. So right. that's the message. It's again, you have to stick with something and be consistent. Yeah. Uh, most of the mess and the, the courses work. Uh, there's a lot of again, I, I don't like the anti sentiment towards gurus this mm-hmm. day, because people blame the gurus because they can't get shit done. Yeah. So <laughs> Uh, okay, so you said you got your first wholesale deal in 13. 2013. So tell me about that wholesale deal. So I I think I need to put us in context. I was initially, after reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, when mm-hmm. most of us read, uh, I was buying rentals. Uh, and I quickly figured out after buying four rentals that that's not the best way because I need 30 more in order for me to quit my job. Mm-hmm. So uh, I bought few properties in Memphis, Tennessee. So I knew the turnkey companies. I have connections with real estate agent, property managers, other local wholesalers, uh, and somebody just pitched me an off-market deal. So I went back to my the, the company that purchased the turnkey company, Memphis Invest, and told them, listen, I bought a property from you in this neighborhood for $80,000. I have a deal for you for 40. Uh, do you want to buy it? Uh, and they told me yes, and, right. and that was the deal. I sold it to the turnkey company that I purchased the, the first rentals from them, and this is how I made my first $4,500 deal. So you lived in San Francisco this whole time? Yes. 
and you were buying rental properties in Memphis. Yes, I started in California. I ran out of money after buying two rentals. So I, I was looking for to buy cash flow properties in Memphis was one of the markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I was buying rentals in Memphis as well. And then at some point you realized that you could buy directly from, you were buying from another wholesale or you're buying directly from? No, I was, buy, again, I was networking with agents. Um, again, I went out of money after buying like four rentals uh, because I was putting 20% down, I had mm-hmm. W2 jobs, so I was able to finance it. But then I ran out of money to, to buy uh, more properties. So I said, again, I have to figure out another strategy to generate a lot of income so I can quit my nine to five job. Mm-hmm. So wholesaling was, was the answer. So, right. and since I was active in, Mem- in Memphis, I said, okay, let's try to do it in Memphis. I was working a nine to five job. I didn't have time to drive around for dollars. Um, so that's what I did. I started looking for deals and, and a real estate agent pitched me this off market deal. And, and that's how everything happened. Awesome. Okay. So then from there, how did you grow to become the virtual wholesaler guy? So that was my aha moment, obviously just sitting in an office uh, in San Francisco and, and doing a deal without speaking with the seller, without meeting with the buyer in person, and everything was done with the phone call and emails. That was a big aha moment. I can make again in, in two weeks what I was making in a month. So uh, that was aha moment and then I was just starting to do more. and and. I initially I just doing most of this from the MLS. I was just blasting offers on the MLS. I had uh, initially a virtual assistant, and we just making like 200 offers a week. Oh wow! We put together a system, uh, and it was a numbers game. So mm-hmm. like every 200 offers, we got a deal. So and this is why working a nine to five job. So I have to leverage somebody else to to put in the offer. Back then, it was much easier to get deals off the MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first two years, most of the deals were from the MLS. And this is strictly um, in Memphis? Memphis. Memphis okay. and, and North Mississippi, which is part of the, the Memphis market. Gotcha. Metro area, yeah. Okay, and then um, at which point did you start focusing on um, not just wholesaling, but you know, like you're known for enjoying your, mm-hmm. your time with your family. Right. Right. So at which point did you evolve from just doing deals on MLS to where you're you know, able to enjoy time so, across the world with your family? So, so goal number one was to quit my nine to five job. Mm-hmm. That was the goal. So for two years, I was doing again, while working a nine to five job, I was doing deals on, on the side as a side gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, after two years, at the end of the two years, I was making more money on my side gig than my nine to five job. But I was just too scared to quit my job because I had two kids. Again, I was raised to be an employee. All my friends were employees. My mindset was of an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, so for two years, I was making enough money to quit my job, but I couldn't because I was just scared. What uh, were you making at that job? Uh, what I was making? Mm-hmm. I was making, again, and that's the thing, so I had a good job. So again, I don't have a story when I was, again, miserable and and broke and I slept in my my friend's couch in the living room. Yeah. I don't have this story. Mm-hmm. My story is that I have a good job. I was, again, making close to six figures, mm-hmm. good benefits. I had a, a, I had a director level um, a job and everything was great. And I was very comfortable because every two weeks I had a paychecks coming in. Right. Um, so I was just scared to quit. So, but after two years, I was making enough money and I told my wife, listen, honey, I think we're ready. I'm just, 
again, I'm just like an airplane on the runway and I can just take off, but again, I'm holding myself mm-hmm. down. And it was, again, I call it the fear of success. Um, but after two years, again, September 30th, 2015 is my Independence Day. I always share <laughs> that. We, we, we celebrate in the Palman family, September 30th, that's my Independence Day. This is when I quit my nine to five job oh, wow. and was able to go all in um, and just to build a business and just being a full-time investor. So that's happened only in 2015. So from my first rental was in 2011, and my first virtual wholesale deal was in 2013, and I quit my job only in September 2015. So it's not an overnight success, mm-hmm. and I think this is one of the messages that's important to, to drive home. So it's, it was a process for me, especially because I had two kids and I worked a nine to five job, and I wasn't ready mentally to quit my job. So you called the term the fear of success. I haven't heard that term you know, mentioned a lot. I've heard like, you know, people self-sabotage because mm-hmm. they're, you know, but I mean, fear of success. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. Uh, I I think I had all the tangibles again to, to be successful. And I think a lot of people, they are smart, they're educated, they, whether they went to school or they are street smarts, but every person has a gift. Um, and for me, I knew that I have everything uh, Again, as far as education, I, I took like 15 courses. I, I knew people, I networked with people, and I knew what it takes to get a deal done. Um, and I was just too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, my safety net was my, my paycheck, my two weeks paycheck. I knew that whether I work hard or not, uh, I have a paycheck coming in. So I was just fearful to quit and go all in and be successful. Right. Uh, because I still had my nine to five job and I still had to go every day to a job place and I had to work. So I didn't have a full day to work on the business and grow it. Yeah. And it's crazy, right? Because like if you can make that much, you can make more money on the side than you're making on your daily. Um, if you were just, you know, if you just quit your daily, how much more successful could you be on the side hustle? And that's what happened when I quit my job. So again, I, I was able to take off. Yeah. So. So you mentioned goal number one was to quit your job. Goal number one was to quit my job. Goal number two? Goal number two was to build a business. Mm-hmm. And and I did that because I was part of a mastermind. I'm still part of a mastermind. Mm-hmm. When uh, I saw that everybody leveling up, everybody have teams, everybody have acquisition guys, disposition guys, they have lead managers, there's virtual assistants. And I saw that what everybody around me doing. Mm-hmm. And I felt this, this is what I need to do. You know, yeah. it's like they are hundred thousand dollar per month you know uh, so I start to build a team I quit my job and I went all in so I said okay now I s- start to run it like a business hire people run KPIs you know just implementing the the, the traction version mm-hmm. um, and went to three different markets and, and I built a business um, and I thought everything was great but I, I did not enjoy it I found myself traveling with my family because money was good. I didn't work nine to five job. Uh, and I was in Santorini, Greece. Uh, and in the middle of the night, because of the time zone difference, I was just dealing with team BS, you know, mm-hmm. quitting, p- again, uh, people quitting on me, uh, disciplining, running KPIs, no shows. Uh, and I found myself, what, what am I doing here? I'm in Greece, in Santorini, one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I'm just dealing with it. I'm not present with my family. You know, my kids are hanging out in the pool, in the beach, and I'm just dealing with that. So uh, that was another aha moment. I said, this model is not for me. 
and and I let everybody go. So I gave everybody two weeks notice, mm -hmm. and I fired everyone. What year was this? That was uh, the end of 2017. Okay. So I built again a business for two years, was in three different markets. I have like seven people on my team, running KPI, running a business, uh, just to realize that it's not the right model for me. I wasn't happy and I wasn't present uh, and there was no alignment between my core mm -hmm. values and, and the business model and the model that I was running. Um, my, the, the, the guiding principle that I have is, is, to, is to make more, work less and play more. Yeah. And I was working way too hard for me. Well, I think that's a key though, right? You said like it wasn't a business model for me. Yes. Because we all have different right. priorities, we're all different. Wh what makes us tick, what makes us happy is different for all of us. You can't say, I love that guy's business, I want to copy his exact business. And that was what I was doing. I was copying other people's businesses, but it wasn't the right business for me mm -hmm. uh, because the, the 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 track the journey that they're on was different there's some mm. people who want to build an empire again we we spoke a little bit again sounds yeah. like you're on this track to build a, a monster mm -hmm. uh, it's not the right model for me right. and there's no right or wrong again mm -hmm. everybody need to stay in their lane and to know what's their end goal uh, and for me just building a big machine and having big team was not the right fit because i prefer to take off for two months and don't do nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't care if I have a big team or not. I don't want to have one Monday morning meeting when I'm in Israel with a 10 hour difference. Yeah. It just, I was <laughs> miserable just to, to wake up in 4 a.m. in the morning and just run, a t again, a business meeting with my team. It was just bad. So you were three different markets. What yes. markets were you in? So I was in Memphis, Tennessee, which was my main market in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, and in New Orleans. Okay. That was my three markets. And then in 17, you said, you know what? 2017, I says, I'm, I'm done. So I'm shifting the model from a high volume, low spread type deals to the Bay, just moving to the Bay Area, to San Francisco, where I live, to low volume, but big spread deals. So, so before we transition there, so when you say high volume, low margins, can you put in context what that means? Yes, so for me, high volume was, again, between five to seven deals per month. Mm -hmm. uh, and the average deal size was, was around $10,000, anywhere mm -hmm. between eight to 15. So yeah. uh, it's, I think it's the standard for a cash flow market mm -hmm. um, because how much of a spread you can put on an $80,000 property. Um, again, when you work with properties in San Francisco and so the median price is 1.5 million, Again, it's much easier to create a six-figure spread as mm -hmm. opposed to $80,000 property in Memphis. Right, okay, so five to seven deals between eight and 13,000 yeah. feet, okay. And then uh, along the way though, you were, you were spending time with your family. Absolutely, yes, I was still, again, I was, again, I, I delegated and outsourced all the acquisition side mm -hmm. of the business. Uh, and I was doing only disposition. So I had a lead manager. Uh, I was basically running the marketing campaigns. Um, a lead manager took the phone calls. They're booking appointments to the acquisition people in three different markets. And when they had a deal, they're just reporting to me. And I was just basically with text messages and few emails will sell the deals. So, so that was the model. So the reason I'm asking this question is because you know you you like to take time off to go travel the world. Yes. When did that become a priority? It was, it's, it's been always a priority. So that's why I was started to research 
what I can do to quit my job mm-hmm. because I wasn't happy that to have only 14 days a year um, vacation time. I mm-hmm. wasn't happy calling to, for sick days or to taking my kid to rehab. Uh, I didn't like when people tell me, this is what you're worth. You're worth $100,000 because that's what people in your position get paid in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So part, somebody put a tag price on me and I couldn't create my own value. Um, so I knew that there must be a better way to live life right. um, than going to a nine to five job and, and have limited time with your family. So right off the bat when you quit. That was the end goal. That was the, that was the end goal was to spend more time with your family. Yes. Okay, and so how soon from when you quit your job um, in, in 15, right? Yes. Uh, till you actually were able to spend quality time with your family. I know wholesaling was eating into your family time, mm-hmm. but how soon till you were able to travel with your family? It was, uh, it was pretty immediate because um, I was, I'm still working from home. Mm-hmm. So every day I can take my kids to school. That was a priority for me. Every day I pick up the kids from school and having lunch with them. Uh, so just being there and being there present and just going to their soccer games on the weekend mm-hmm. uh, and spending the weekends with them with no any interruption from work, that was huge for me. Uh, and also every time the kids are off school, I can travel. So when they're off school in the summer, I can travel because all of my work was virtual. Mm-hmm. I was m- never meeting with, with sellers or buyers. Everything was done via phone call and email. So I had a call rail account and I have, a, again, I have Podio and everybody, I knew what's going on in the business. Yeah. I had the, my KPI and when I needed it, I just was jumping on a Skype call with my team and was able still to run the business while being in Israel. Yeah. So that was huge for me. Okay. Yeah. I, m- I imagine like the teachers must have thought like you were like some unemployed bum. Yeah, they still do, <laughs> but I don't care. Because again, I, I come with t-shirt and jeans and flip flops and uh-huh. they see me all the time. Um, and even again, my, my neighbor is renovating a house and they tell me again, I see you all the time, don't you have a job? So that's what people think about me yeah. and, and I love it because- <laughs> or, or maybe you're just like the, you know, the uh, house husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that's exactly what I want. I wanted to work from home mm-hmm. or from uh, coffee shops. I always dreamed of working from a coffee place. I see all these people sitting in Starbucks with their, with their Mac mm-hmm. and, and just working from there. So that was one of my goals, just to be uh, able to do that, to have like a, um, uh, just not have a location that I need to go to every morning. That okay. was huge for me. So before transitioning to you know the phase you're right now, mm-hmm. what uh, a lot of people that are listening are, are more wholesaling heavy. Yeah. So can you give you know like two or three major takeaways that that made you super successful on 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 the wholesaling operation, particularly where you can spend time with your family? If I I think initially there is no way there is no shortcuts. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you that from 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 the beginning, I had a lot of times, there was a lot of hustle and grind in the beginning, even though I don't like these words, but in the beginning when you work a nine to five job and try to build a business and to learn, uh, you have to grind, you have to, to, to put in the work. So, but you know what's the end, the, the reward at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you gotta be success, uh, you just be with the right mindset. And for me, again, I just knew that uh, it may take time. It took me a year and a half to get my first deal done. Um, so just staying at it, a lot of people think that it's there's an easy way to get deals done. And mm-hmm. I know it's even more competitive than three years ago. So it's even harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, the goal is just to be consistent. Um, I think 
initially I, I even lost money just to get deals done. Um, and I think it helped me just to build my reputation. Um, yeah. Just to know that I, I'm gonna close, I'm gonna get the deal done, even though sometimes I lost like a thousand bucks because the buyers came in lower, I was double closing, and after just running all the closing costs, I end up not making anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people knew that when I have a deal, uh, it's my deal, it's not a daisy chain deal, uh, and I'm gonna close. Mm-hmm. So. I think this is something that can help me build my reputation, especially when you're out of towner, you know, like a virtual wholesaler, they never met you in person. So they don't, they never shake your hand uh, and all they know about you is from email and phone calls. So, right. so there's always, again, is this is real, again, this is a fraud, this is a scam. But when you close deals, uh, that's make it real. Yeah, well, I, I think you hit something really important there is the reputation part, because yes. I think something that's really short-sighted is that, you know, they, they, they treat this a little, tra- a little too transactional. Yes. And it's a very transactional business, but in the community, mm-hmm. it's a relational Absolutely. business. And people miss that. Absolutely. Um, yes, I, I spend a lot of time just building the relationship, especially with the buyers. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the rules that I have that I will never uh, market somebody else's deal. In the beginning, mm-hmm. just focus on creating your own deals. Yeah. That that you earned, that you are direct to the seller, that you control the deal. So it's not like you get into contract with somebody to to realize that the wholesalers that direct to the seller already sold the deal. Mm-hmm. So um, it was one of my rules to never um, uh, co-wholesale a deal uh, when the deal is someone else. I right. had other people marketing my deals, but uh, it was always small deal. I was always in hundred percent control of the deal. Uh, Max Jimenez wants to know, what's the one of the difficult challenges having too many VAs? If I didn't have too many DAs, so I don't know. So I had um, three was the most that I had at one point. So I don't think it was too um, too hard and everybody knew specifically what they were doing. So it was, they, they had KPIs. Mm-hmm. There's very clear instructions of the deliverables and what they're supposed to do. Uh, and also managed my, my VAs based on KPI, not based yeah. on time. So if they don't hit their KPI, they don't get paid. So that made it oh, very- Oh, they don't get paid. They don't get paid. Cause oh. that's, yeah. They don't exchange time for money. They exchange performance for money. So on a very entrepreneurial attitude. I'm surprised that you have VAs that agree to it. Yes, they uh, again, the KPI was very basic. It's not like they need to close deals, but mm-hmm. they need to post three times a day in Craigslist. And if I don't see three links in Craigslist, they don't get paid because they didn't perform the job. So it mm-hmm. was very easy to to keep them accountable. Right. And only when they complete the KPI, they get paid. I like that. So then what are some of the key KPIs for virtual assistants? For virtual assistants? So it was, again, post on Craigslist on the seller side and on the buyer side. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sending text messages or generating leads from Craigslist and from Zillow and mm-hmm. from all the other online sites just to build lists or maybe just uh, pull information for public records. So they had to hit a KPI. It's not like they, they need to spend eight hours in front of the computer and somebody take a screenshot to make sure that they work. Uh, I never believed in that. So mm-hmm. they, they knew exactly what's the KPI for the day. They need to report at the end of the day and they need to hit the KPI for the week. And if they don't hit their KPI, we need to have a conversation. And if they consistently don't hit the KPI, somebody else will take their job. Gotcha, makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so if you were brand new, right? Or if I was brand new mm-hmm. and I said I wanted to go to 
you know, you were saying Little Rock, Arkansas, right? Mm-hmm. So what is the advice you would give someone that's brand new looking to vir- uh, wholesale virtually? Um, I think networking first is the key. Uh, a, know the zip codes that are more active, the most active where investors are buying, uh, and then just just have a KPI habits of speaking with five realtors per day mm-hmm. in that market. Just introduce yourself, tell them who you are, what you do. Uh, second thing is just uh, network with local wholesalers. I think initially when you're going to a new market, partnering with local with local wholesalers is key. Uh, and just find a way to add value to them. Don't just take. Mm-hmm. Give, 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 and then again, we spoke about Gary Vaynerchuk, again, yep. the jab, 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 right hook. Mm-hmm. Find a way to add value to every person you talk to. A lot of people, what they're doing wrong is they keep asking questions and they take instead of give. Mm-hmm. So find a way to give first before you ask and, and and you're basically asking for information about the market, but find a way to give first, mm-hmm. which is again, give leads, run marketing on your own dime, uh, share the leads with them uh, in exchange for something that you ask in in exchange, and, and then just with, with buyers, just network with buyers, find understand what they're buying, uh, who is a repetitive buyer, don't look for the one-offs, try mm-hmm. to, to understand who is the main players that buy two to three plus properties per month uh, and find a way to add value to them as well. So how do you network remotely? You just pick up the phone. Okay. You just pick up the phone and and sometimes again, after you have a good conversation, you, you send a thank you card. Mm-hmm. You send, again, a topic, again, you send a book. Mm-hmm. You send a, a, a $20 a Starbucks gift card. This is what makes you real and that you pay attention and there's a person behind it. It's not somebody from Nigeria that's speaking <laughs> with you. So make it real. Sometimes again, I just do a Zoom call or try to get them Facebook Live as opposed to there's a face-to-face, they see your face and they don't just hear your voice or your emails. Right. Yeah. Um, so Edgar Berger wants to know, how are you finding your cash buyers? Um, when I was working in the cash flow markets, again, it was all the turnkey companies. There's turnkey companies everywhere. Go to bigger pockets. If you put turnkey companies in Memphis, you'll have at least 10 companies there. Mm-hmm. If you're going to, again, to, um, to Little Rock, same, same idea. Uh, nowadays, it's mostly, again, it's mostly Facebook. Mm-hmm. You can go on Facebook and again, there's a big group, I'm sure, in Phoenix. Phoenix, again, real estate investors group. Um, again, there's a lot of wholesalers, there's realtors, and there's real buyers there, mm-hmm. too. Um, I also just pulling lists from list source. Just doing absentee owner list. Just pull a list from the last six months and, and see who purchased prop- more than one properties during a six months period. So. Well, if it's a company, I would just research the company and just try to to reach them and, and find them and be, try to build their relationship. Uh, the Marco Jefferson wants to know how you went about training and hiring your VA. Uh, it's basically, I you have, it's a lot of people get it wrong by expecting VAs to know what to do. Mm-hmm. Even if they work for another uh, investor. It's basically creating videos and, and, and documents, standard operating procedures, uh, just recording my screen with a step-by-step actions uh, and giving it to them and try to uh, have them give me feedback if they got it and, and doing like a, a, a small sample size 
of of the what I want them to get done. Mm-hmm. If I see that it's clear and they get it done, uh, I let them run with it. If they tell, me, if I see that they're doing something else, I just tweak it and ask them for feedback. And once they give me a good feedback, I'm just creating a new video with the new instructions and then give it to them to do. Perfect. Uh, is there a software you like to use for tracking KPIs? If I initially I was using uh, just Google Sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, I I now use a Beast Mode Podio, so they have a KPI that track it automatically in the background. But initially I was just having my VAs go to CallRail, pull all the information of how many calls came in, uh, how much time they spoke with the people, how many appointments. They were just pulling it manually uh, because unless you're doing 10 deals plus per month, it's fairly easy to pull your KPI, yeah. uh, especially if you have call rail, uh, you know how many calls coming in, you know how many appointments you book per, per month. And, and other than that, I think that's the, the key uh, metrics that you need to, to track. And other than that is basically how much you spend. So like mm-hmm. the key, the, the cost per deal, it's probably the most important metric that you, you can track. Cost per deal. Cost per deal. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then you eventually make a transition. And the 17 said, this isn't working. This isn't yeah. fitting my lifestyle anymore. Correct. So what was that? What was that? Again, I said, I, and I, I want to buy my time back. Mm-hmm. So how can I make close to the same amount of money or more by working less? That was the question. That was the key question. Again, if you, you ask the, the right questions, the right answers will, will appear. So right. that was the question. How can I make more by working less? Mm-hmm. So it's just going after bigger deals. That was the answer. Uh, so I start to look for opportunities in, in where I live in San Francisco. Uh, and when you start to look for opportunities, opportunities appear. So right. uh, just found a fire damage property. Uh, I was just sending one mailer to one seller and he called me back. Oh, uh, wow, that's awesome. So one from one. <laughs> uh, and we we just he spoke with the sellers. We agree on the price. We put it on the contract. But it was a $900,000 purchase price as opposed to $27,000 purchase price in Memphis. Fire uh, property. Fire damage property. $900,000. $900,000. Uh, a duplex in San Francisco. And I didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the money. So... Uh, I partnered with somebody, with Jason Boozy. I mm-hmm. told him, listen, I, this is the deal. Um, I just need your help. Uh, mentor me. You don't need to do anything. I negotiate a deal. I know the numbers work. I just need you to verify the number. And I need you to help me with the financing so we can close. So he came. He saw the property. He liked it. Uh, we put it on the contract. And three weeks later, we sold it for uh, $450,000 higher. Uh, so that was a big aha moment. Because it's pretty much, it took me almost 10 deals to do one, again, in, in Memphis, as opposed to doing one deal in San Francisco. Uh, and I didn't work very hard to get this deal. Mm-hmm. I got lucky, of course, but it was a big aha moment. Um, and it's funny because on the same deal uh, in San Francisco, they want you to put 3% down for the earnest money deposit, all the mm-hmm. realtors. So it was $27,000. Again, that's the 3% of and hundred thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars and on the same deal I purchased a property in Memphis for twenty seven thousand dollars so <laughs> so that's the difference like earnest money twenty seven thousand dollars Memphis buying a property for twenty seven thousand yeah. uh, dollars so that was it so I was hooked so I that said, was 
2018, I, I presume. That was, yeah, beginning of 2018. Okay, so how much did you make on it? We we made between the two of us, we uh, it was like $360,000, so okay. 180 each. 180 each, okay. Two. And so with that, you were confident you made the right move. Yes. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm game, you got my attention. All right. So then how do you transition from doing one of those to now, what, what does your operation look like? So first of all, I don't need to have a lot of deals to live a very comfortable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So if you do the math, if I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make at least six figure per deal, that's mm-hmm. my goal. Uh, so I don't need a lot of deals. I don't need a lot of deals. So I no, don't need a don't. lot of marketing operation. I don't need a marketing machine. Mm-hmm. I don't need to keep spending money on marketing. Uh, because I don't need to have 25, 30 leads per day. I just need to have good quality leads and just to be able to close on them. So I had to shift my my mindset to, to be better at closing face to face, to close on a million dollar home. Uh, I think it's different than closing on a vacant properties in Memphis or $27,000. So mm-hmm. again, the conversation is different. The distress is different. Somebody who owns a million dollar properties is again, they usually don't have a financial distress. There's something else going on, and again, it's you need to be a better negotiator face to face, and you need to do, to have the backing to close on these deals, on these deals because most of the big deals uh, you need to close on it. Yeah. So you need to have a good lenders. You need to have um, you need to be able to close quick, and you need to negotiate better. So let's talk about that, right? Um, because it's, it's hard to wrap your head around. I mean, like, what's the percentage ARV that you guys are buying in in San Francisco? Uh, probably 80. 80. Okay. So on a one and a half million, right? That's, um, four, 300,000 discount, right? Yeah. So you're, you're negotiating a 300,000 discount. That's a pretty big chunk. Yes. So how are you able to negotiate that? I'm a huge John Martinez fan. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge John Martinez fan. So it's, it's all about most of the deals in San Francisco, you exchange convenience Mm -hmm. for equity. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily dollar figures. So you need to understand what's the motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do they want to sell? So a lot of people, they just don't want to deal with realtors. They don't want to do open house. They want to sell as is, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, and sometimes they need a rent back. So they want to stay in the property and have their time to move to another property. So we closed, we closed on a deal last Friday and we let the, the seller stay in the property seven days post closing. So that's what's got us the deal. Mm-hmm because he wants to pack. He doesn't want to get in the middle of packing uh, to have open house. He didn't want to spend any dime on his property and, and we exchange convenience per deal. So he will get, again, he will not get top dollar for his property, mm-hmm. but he will have headache free transaction uh, and he was gonna get the, the profit from, from, the, from the property that he sold to purchase another property. So he needed the money in order to put a strong offer uh, on his property for cash. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're able to get the deal, it's just exchanging convenience for equity. Okay, so you're direct a seller then? I Usually it's off market from another realtor. Okay. So I don't do a lot of marketing right now. Okay. Because I don't need a lot of deals. I don't want to spend 10,000, 20,000, $30,000 per month and, and speak with sellers all day long or to manage somebody because I don't need as many leads. Personally, I just need one good quality lead and it's usually off market from another realtor. Okay. Um, so that's how I got it. It's so off market from another realtor. That's the 
it's been the last three deals that we did. So the realtor brings it to you. Yes. And I'm assuming they're still getting their commission then. Yes, it's usually the now it's, they're not. It's, it's funny. That usually they don't like to double end, so they don't get get both sides of the commission. Mm -hmm. So if there's like a, like Compass is a big mm -hmm. brokerage now in San Francisco, so they will pitch an off market deal to all the Compass agents before it goes on the market. Mm -hmm. So so that's how I was able to get this deal. So this Compass guy uh, got us the deal, mm -hmm. and we put it out again put it under contract. So it was one showing to the listing agent, one showing to our agent, and they both got a nice commission on a $910,000 sale. Mm -hmm. So I think it was like 30, 30 something uh, in one week. Mm -hmm. So both agents loves us. Right. Uh, and of course he got and found us the next deal uh, the following week. So he is gonna make at least 65, $70,000 by basically showing one again two properties one time to one buyer yeah so we are his heroes now because oh, yeah. we made his job super easy and the other agent also loves us because she didn't do any work basically she opened the house mm -hmm. and she dealt with the paperwork that's it so you never talked to the owner then never spoke with the owner okay so then uh you're taking these properties down so yes. you have because you said you have to close on them yes and then after you take them down, are you? Uh, in most cases, I rehab. In most okay. cases, I rehab. So again, rarely I just do a wholesale. Mm -hmm. It really depends on how I can make the most amount of money in the shorter period of time. Um, and it's also depend on the timing right mm -hmm. now because it's before the summer. So we have two projects. The goal is to sell both of them before the summer so I can take off for the summer and don't worry about working right. during the summertime. Okay, so then are you dealing with the con with with the <laughs> the contractors, the no. subs? So now, so my model evolved. So mm -hmm. that's one of the issues that I hated to deal with contractors. So in my last three deals, I partner with somebody that deal with the contractor. Mm -hmm. So now my my partner is an architect. He's an architect that hated to work with for investors because he saw how much money investors make in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. He said, I want to be an investor too. So he reached out to me, we met and we decided to, to do one deal together and we made a killing. And, and his background is basically as an architect and he's also oversaw big projects in San Francisco. So he has huge network of subs. Uh, he knows how to manage contractors and he's great at managing contractors. He knows how to pull permits. He knows how to uh, create a very detailed scope of work and I don't need to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So I love it. So my job is basically to bring the lead, negotiate the best price possible, bring the funding and then just hand in the, the deal to him and he brings it to the finish line. Right. And then for that partnership, like it's 50-50. 50-50. So he brings, again, 50% of the funds that we need to close, 50% of the rehab to renovate the property, uh, and he gets 50% of the profit. We gotcha. just started an LLC together and, and it's been great. Um. And it's, that's a great return on time. So remember, for me, I want to work less and make more. Mm -hmm. So the return on time is huge, the same return on investment because he brings 50% of the funds, but he deals with everything after we close the deal and the return is still the same. But now the return on time is huge because I don't need to deal with the property during the rehab phase. Right. Um, that's it. Oh yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, so, 
Someone's asking right here is Daryl Banks wants to know. He says that he's having a hard time staying consistent. Do you have any advice for someone who has a hard time staying consistent? Uh, just have an accountability partner. And I think just you need to redefine your why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why. Uh, again, I don't know the guy um, and why he has a hard time because he has lack of finances, lack of motivation. Uh, I, I don't know what's the reason, but I think you need to redefine the why um, and have accountability, accountability partner. Um, maybe have a coach, maybe go to masterminds, maybe mm-hmm. just level up. For me, one of my biggest motivation is just to be in a mastermind when everybody are super successful people mm-hmm. and I wasn't one of them. So I I had to earn the rights to be in the room. Yeah. So it pushed me higher, just, you know, just peer pressure, I mm-hmm. guess. But you level up, you know, it's not peer pressure that people putting you down. You just had to step it up or you don't belong in the room. So let's talk about that. You know, um, you were talking about before we started, you went to Extreme Freedom in 2015. Yes. And that's where you met my partner, Max. Yes. Um, and so you went there, you signed up for the VIP, and then talk about, you know, that journey, or how that's helped you. Yeah, so I, I was buying a lot of courses, and, and there was extreme freedom in, in here in, in, in Phoenix, and one of the options was to pay for the VIP. Mm-hmm. And the VIP is direct access to the speakers. You, you have like a money day when, they, again, they're all speaking, breaking down your, your, your business model. And I decided to pay the $2,000 or $3,000 just, just for the experience. Um, I did a few deals, I had the money, and I said, you know what, what the heck, let's, let's, let's see. Everybody speak about Mastermind. Um, again, I was still thinking as an, as an employee, mm-hmm. as a nine to five, I said, why do I need to pay $2,000 when I can buy a $97 and get the same content? That was the mindset of a nine to five Right, for some guy. people it's a cost. It's yes, not it's a cost, it's not an investment. And that right. was the best investment that I ever done in my life mm-hmm. because I was in the room with with great players, people who who making money, who, who pay to play, right? You yeah. just need to pay to be in this room. They understand the value of networking uh, and and I just created friendships. And sure enough, after this meeting, Jalen, which is again, a local guy, mm-hmm. uh, he knew that I'm doing deals in Memphis. He reached out to me and we did a deal together. Uh, again, and I made $20,000. Mm-hmm. And just from the $2,000 investment, I just was in the room that got me a deal uh, that made me $20,000. And then I met a lot of good people that I'm now part of a mastermind with them mm-hmm. and had other uh, business opportunities to work with them by lending opportunities. I, we did deals together with other people uh, because this is how the real players play. They right. either pay to be in the room or they end the right to be in the room. Um, and I think mastermind is something that is huge that helped me a lot uh, to level up. Yeah. So I think that's a great way to answer that question, right? Is that you got to be in a room, you got to surround yourself by people that are kicking your butt and that will help you a, motivate you, yeah. and then B, I'll help you shortcut a lot of the gaps. Yes, and also, again, you talk about, again, how to stay consistent. When you pay $15,000 to be in a room, you wanna make sure that you, again, you have a good return on investment. You'll mm-hmm. do everything you can to make it worth the investment, right? So yep. if you don't pay, you don't pay attention. So this, this right, so a lot of people get a lot of stuff for free, but they never implement it. Probably there's a tons of information on YouTube right now that you can take and implement it and build a million dollar business. Mm-hmm. 100%. But, but most people don't do it. 
<laughs> and only when they join a program or they pay for it, they start to implement. Yeah. Why? Because it's psychology of the psychology. Yeah. Skin yeah. in the game. Skin in the game. We gotta have skin in the game. Uh, so another thing you were talking about uh, offline was partnerships. Yes. So what are your thoughts on partnerships? I, I love partnerships because, as I mentioned, uh, I did not enjoy uh, having employees. Employees will never have the same stake in your business, and they will never work as hard as you. Mm-hmm. You do. Uh, again, you you can you can build a great culture. You can have KPI. You can have bonus structures. Uh, it's all great, but nobody will be as dedicated as you unless they have the same stake as you in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when they bring a skill set and the money, they will have equal stake. So that's what I found. So. And, and it was a little lonely, to be honest with you. Just to run it, everything works for me, especially when you run a virtual team. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of you miss the camaraderie and just doing deals together. It's just make more fun to make money with other people that you enjoy working with. And, right. and that's one of the reasons that I, uh, I decided to go with the partnerships, uh, just because I wanted to have more time for myself. So the partners brought a skill set to the table and they just kind of took over the operation side of the rehab. Yeah. Or one partner was a, a real estate agent. So there is dealing with all the selling of the property. Mm-hmm. Um, so another person was a, a construction, again, a construction site manager kind of. So that's partnership. They take half of the work, they have the same stake. They want you just to just, they want the deal to be as successful as you. Uh, and it's more fun to to make money with other people that you enjoy working with right yeah uh one thing that you also mentioned was that this virtual thing doesn't work if you don't have cash flow yes so it's not a virtual thing it's the lifestyle that you want um doesn't work i cannot take two months off unless there's money coming in Mm -hmm. Um, so all the profit that i make everything i push it out of my bank account as soon as possible and put it to work um if initially, you know, I, I purchased the book, Real Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I didn't have the money to put and buy rentals. Again, I don't know there's other strategies to how you can create cash flow without buying properties and, and put your own money. But for me, everything I make, I push out and either do private money loans or buy rentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, because cash flow is king, not cash. A lot of people mm-hmm. say cash is king. Mm-hmm. No, cash flow is king. Yeah, because if money is not coming in on a monthly basis regularly, uh, you can't take off. I can't take off for two months and do nothing mm-hmm. unless money coming in on the first of the month. Right. Um, so that's the the bigger picture is a lot of people are very successful wholesalers, but they don't invest the money that they make into uh, income producing assets. So you're buying rental buying, properties. I'm buying again. I'm, I'm selling a property, make a nice profit. I just push it out and buy rentals or mm-hmm. do private money loans. So every Locally. month the goal is to increase the cash flow. That's one, one of the, my KPI, the most important, how much I increased my cash flow per month mm-hmm. uh, on a quarterly basis. So private money lending, are you lending in San Francisco or are you lending outside of it? I'm lending primarily outside. Uh, I'm lending to only people that I know and trust, so mm-hmm. I have a relationship with. Uh, and, and honestly, private money loans is much easier than rentals especially if you work with an experienced investor mm-hmm. and you know your LTV, you know your numbers and you trust them, they pay you on a monthly basis whether the property is rented or not. Uh, and I know there's the down, again, there's 
this downside is no depreciation, so uh, there's pros and cons, mm -hmm. but it's much easier. Oh, you're diversifying anyway. Yeah. Um, so I love private money loans. Okay, so your what was what's the best deal you've done so far? My best deal that I've done so far. Uh, so I have two. One is the the first deal that I did in the Bay Area. Uh, it was a pocket listing. Purchase price was again the fire damage duplex in San Francisco. Um, we bought it for nine hundred thousand mm dollar, -hmm. and we sold it uh, three weeks later for one point three five. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it was like $350,000 net profit between mm -hmm. two partners in 21 days. Um, Did you have to do anything to that property? Didn't do anything to it. Man, that's incredible. Okay, so then. <laughs> um, the other good deal is actually earlier in the year, we purchased a property during the holiday season when everybody were checked off, checked out for the, the holidays. We, we bought the house uh, in December 26th or 27th. And we s we put again. It was purchased price seven twenty five. We put hundred and twenty thousand dollars, hundred and seventy thousand dollars into it, and we sold it for one point two eight. So that was also three hundred thirty thousand uh, dollars between two partners uh, in two and a half months. And that's a good deal. That's a great deal. Yeah. Max Maxwell says uh, you're you're his guy. Thanks, <laughs> Max. I hope I see you for lunch. <laughs> oh, Max Maxwell. Uh, Max Maxwell. I like Max Maxwell. Yeah. If you can make it too, yeah. <laughs> if you can get in here. <laughs> uh, so then, um, what about some bad deals? Bad deals. So that's one of the reasons that I did not start to do deals in San Francisco, uh, because I was scared to get burned on a million dollar properties as opposed to a fifty thousand dollars properties in Memphis. So the good is that I told you about the the three hundred fifty thousand dollar profit. Uh, the flip side, there are two properties side by side. One we made $350,000, the other ones we lost $250,000 between two partners. Uh, and if I was doing these deals in the beginning of my journey, uh, when I was still having a nine to five job, that I would never be in this room today mm -hmm. because it would pain so much. Um, and it would probably would be devastating financially uh, and also spiritually, I will never be able to kind of overcome first day losing uh, $250,000. <laughs> <Yeah>. You're done. <laughs> you, yeah. Basically, you, you, you're All getting your a knockout. Any hope is gone. Yeah. So um, we just bought not in the right price. We were cocky and arrogant, making a lot of money on the other deal. Mm -hmm. uh, we did not know the market uh, good enough. We just thought that the four unit building would be much more desirable than the two unit building in San Francisco. We thought we'd be able to sell a much in a much higher price a four unit building as opposed to two unit building. And in San Francisco, a two unit building, it's much more desirable than a four unit building. Really? Yeah. Why? Why? Because a lot of people in San Francisco want a duplex so they can, again, like a parents and son can move, mm -hmm. uh, like two families can move, like two friends can move. Uh, uh, and with the four unit build, it's also eviction laws are sooner. You can do owner move in eviction uh, when you move to a duplex. And four unit building is 100% investors. Um, so it just was, um, it was tough. We learned it the hard way. Valuable uh, lesson, uh, expensive lesson. Very expensive, very $250,000 lesson. Uh, so Sishanika wants to know, what's been your most creative deal? Most creative deal? Uh, uh, 
most creative deal was when I purchased a property for cash uh, with my uh, Roth IRA, mm-hmm. and I assigned the deal uh, for, and I assigned the deal and sold the deal to as an owner financing deal. Uh, so I basically created, I, I charge interest on the assignment, uh, and I basically charge interest on money that I created out of thin air. Mm-hmm. So that was in an, in an IRA, in a worth IRA environment. So it was very creative. So we were also talking about uh, KPIs earlier. Yes. And you have different KPIs for your personal life. Yes. Let's talk about those. So KPI, again, most people I'm sure read the, 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 the book Traction, but tracking KPIs, and I try to take this KPI and all this lesson that I learned running a team and just implement it on my, my family life, on my personal life. Uh, it means, again, for example, I need to have to hit the KPIs when I have date nights with my wife, mm-hmm. right? So we have at least once a week uh, a coffee date, and we need to at least once a week to spend one hour maybe just uh, watching a movie together. Uh, so that's a KPI between me and my spouse. So there's also KPI of quality minutes with my kids every day. So I need to spend quality time when I turn off my phone and I just be with them. I present, I play with them, I do homework with them, uh, I take them from school or to school or having lunch together with them. So that's a KPI. Uh, we have uh, trips that we need to hit. We have like a four big trips per year that we need to hit. If we didn't hit this KPI, we, we failed as a family because this is going to need to create memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I love sports, so I like to go to to sporting events. So I need to at least to go to four major sporting events. Um, like yeah, I think I saw one was the World Cup. I was in the last two World Cups. So I last was in, two World in Cups. Rio de Janeiro. Man. That was, and I was in Russia with my son. I was in the Euros in 2016. Um, I love sports, so I hope I will go to a Warriors final game um, in the next two weeks. That's the next goal. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> no so matter how KPI, much, yeah. no matter how much the the uh, the court side are, you can yeah. probably swing it. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to also another KPI again. It's family related, but they also um, like exercise. I need to hit the KPI for the week, mm-hmm. so I need to at least exercise four times a week. If not, again, I'm not committed to staying healthy. Mm-hmm. So uh, giving, it's also something that's super important to me to give to my community, to my synagogue. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these KPIs, I think it has to be, everything needs to be a, a balanced lifestyle. It's not just build a business and make you millions of dollars because then I, I met a lot of millionaires that were miserable. Uh, they didn't have good relationship with their kids, or the, the kids were on drugs, or... Um, You're talking like in your community? In general, you know, in general. So they were just too uh, career focused, and they just neglected other important parts of their life, like their health and the rela- and like important relationship with their families. Mm. And that's, that's, that's really wise. Uh, uh, JT wants to know, what markets are you buying your rentals in, and why? Uh, I buy in cash flow markets, so um, uh, I own properties in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, in Ohio. Uh, most of my my private money loans are in Kansas City, St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, some in Maryland, but it's mostly cash flow markets. So you uh, you gave me this book, uh, Start With Why, before we even started this meeting. 
So then I have to ask you, what is your why? My, my wife is lifestyle, you know, lifestyle. I'm just saying uh, you have one shot at life. Um, you have one shot of being a parent. Um, you have a limited time with your kids before they are grown ups. Uh, and for me, I just want to, to live life to the fullest, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to spend as much time as possible as I can with them, um, to, to be the, the coolest dad in the world that I can be. Because these moments, again, they will be grown ups, teenagers, and uh, I want to make sure that, again, this is the time, the most important time to, to have this bond, this relationship, to build it, to make sure it's strong because it's the foundation for when I get older, when they get older, um, and, and also just, we are not here to work mm -hmm. all the time. I think the world is great. And if you can experience it and travel and see other uh, parts of the world and have a better perspective on life, mm -hmm. and it's not only about money, um, that's, that's why, that's my why. So I would try to, um, to live life to the fullest every day, even though if it means that I need to come and fly from San Francisco, just to be here with you and share my message and hopefully inspire people and fly back so I can see my kids before they go to bed, yeah. uh, I'll do it, so. Well, I think uh, I think a lot of people are already inspired, you know, I think one of the, you've got this reputation already, right? Of having a lifestyle, mm -hmm. it's not just a business, it's a lifestyle, because it's one thing to make money, it's not that, thing to enjoy your life yes. with your family, with your friends. Because what's the point? Like you said, all those unhappy millionaires, what's the point? Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? My biggest struggle right now? Uh, uh, just spreading my message. I want, I think I, we spoke about it later that how can I help other people mm -hmm. change their life? Real estate changed my life. Um, and, and how can I spread the message um, to make sure that there's a better life than working a nine to five. And again, I don't have anything against people who work nine to five and they are happy and fulfilled. Right. If you are not happy and fulfilled and work a nine to five job, there's other, there's other ways to, to make a living uh, where you don't need to go to one place every day and work for somebody else. Uh, there's online marketing, there's real estate. Uh, for me, it was real estate. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, they just need to, to know that it's out there. It's not going to be easy, but it's 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 very rewarding. And we spoke about it again. I enjoy more when one of my coaching students do a deal than my own deals. Yeah. Because I know that's going to help them change their life. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, again, how can I impact a lot of people? I know there's again, a lot of anti-gurus sentiment out there. Mm -hmm. um, but again, most of the gurus teach how to to make money. So I want to, to teach people how to, to have a, a good balanced lifestyle when money just one, one way. All right. Again, you need to have again, good money coming in so you can do the cool stuff uh, with your loved ones or to give it away. You know, a lot of people just, they, they fulfill when they give, they give to charities that they believe in, to important causes. Um, so why not? So just if that's your motivation, just go and do it. So I just want to inspire more people to do it because it's it's changed my life and changed my my family lives. Um, is there any one lesson that's you know the greatest lesson that you that's changed more than anything else? Uh, I think just you need to be in the game. 
a lot of people they they I know for my my mistake I was learning for too long you know I was just buying courses and think that everything needs to be perfect and learning another strategy and, and jumping from one strategy to another you you gotta be in the game and it's okay if you are suck in the beginning right you gotta swing you gotta be at bat right mm -hmm. Gary v, uh, just just swing you know just embrace the the suckness I guess <laughs> embrace the suckness of the beginning because it's part of the of the of the process you have to be suck in the beginning but if you are not in the game you will never learn as quickly and as effectively as opposed to just reading a book right, right. You can, I can read a book but until you you do it you will never know how you can get better uh, one of the things I uh, one of the expressions I enjoyed was you can't learn how to swim by reading a book exactly exactly um, and that's the thing, right? Like, you know, we're, we're providing as much content as we can, but until you go and do it, you won't understand the nuances and the differences and, and so on. And I think that's the mental block for a lot of people. They are afraid to, to come across as newbies or, or as not knowing what to do exactly or, or to mess something up. Uh, but you have to. Yeah. You have to. I remember my first calls with sellers. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, again, my offers were way off. I didn't know how to comp a property. But without those lessons, I will never be able to correct and offer the right price. Yeah, you don't know what you have to improve. Exactly. Perfect. Gotta be in the game. Uh, so I think that's a great place to end it. So uh, guys, tomorrow, uh, our regular scheduled time, two o'clock Pacific, five o'clock Eastern, we got Brent Marino and Adam Johnson flying in from Mississippi. So definitely uh, join in tomorrow. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? I think Facebook would be the best. The their virtual wholesaler uh, Facebook page, the virtual the virtual wholesaler guy Facebook page. Again, mm -hmm. that's where I'm most active, or this is where I share content. Um, so if you you want to reach out to me, uh, either my Facebook personal page or my Facebook the virtual wholesaler guy page would be the best way. Awesome, and guys. If you like the show, please share this episode right now because a rising tide does lift all boats. Thank you guys for watching, and thank you. This was amazing. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.